Congratulations, you've just been handed a huge new opportunity. Bravo. With it comes the need for new skills, skills you'll need to master in short order. Every year, Harvard Business School Executive Education helps executives like you develop the hard and soft skills it takes to succeed in new roles. This is your chance. Go. Start by going to hbs.me slash go. That's hbs.me slash go. Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Jess Messen Broadcast is hosted by Jess Fole, a visual artist from Baltimore, Maryland. Jess invites those who've inspired her to recount their tales of becoming professional artists and creators. Through sharing memories and stories, Jess and her guests relive experiences, discuss new projects, and foster new ideas, all while making sense of this crazy pop culture world we live in. Tune in weekly for a variety of guests ranging from musicians, designers, artists, and entrepreneurs who are actively creating the world around us. And now, it's time for Jess Messen Broadcast with Jess Full. Hey, everybody. This is Jess Full coming to you live on Lions Radio Network. I'm in my studio in Baltimore, Maryland, and I have a super-duper special guest. Like, I'm a mega fan, like, almost to, maybe to the level of weird, but <laughs> we'll deal with that later. Um, okay, Lisa Ann Schuyler is with us, and Lisa Ann is writer box three cents off um and it's streaming right now on hbo it just got picked up by hbo latin america i think yes it just, it just hit in yeah um, latin america um yeah throughout the whole region and Here's some background on Lisanne. Lisanne Schuyler is an award-winning writer, director of scripted documentary short film and branded films that have screened at Sundance, South by Southwest, and the Venice Film Festival and aired on PBS, Sundance Channel, and HBO, which is how I found Lisanne. Okay, her films include the Oscar shortlisted HBO documentary film Brillo Box, Three Cents Off, a few things about Robert Irwin, for the LACMA Art and Film Gala and fiction feature Getting to Know You and the South Central LA documentary No Loans Today. Brillo Box Three Cents Off, an official selection for the 54th New York Film Festival, debuted on HBO in August 2017 and is now streaming on all HBO platforms. Um, you can find Lisanne all over the internet, lisannschuyler.com and at lisannschuyler on all the socials. Um, and obviously, you can stream her films on HBO currently, which I did this morning, just to double check that I am still totally obsessed with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that okay. it held up. <laughs> I know. I just like am, it's just like the most charming story ever. And we'll get into that. But first, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And you're in Arizona right now? Yes. Um, I so I grew up in Tucson and then moved to Cal- sorry, grew up in what am I saying? Grew up in New York City, moved to California, and then um, a few years ago, my husband and I moved to um, Tucson, Arizona, where I teach as well as make films. 
super duper. Okay, so for those who haven't seen the film, I woke up one day and it was this. It was like in my TV guide thing, and it was just like Brillo box, three cents off, and I was like, wait what is this? And it was just, it appeared. And I watched it immediately. And it is the most charming story about Lisa Ann growing up with parents who were able to participate in buying and selling art in the 60s in New York. So the collection that Lisa Ann grew up with is unbelievable if you watch this film like everybody from Warhol to Lichtenstein to Cy Tombly like Jasper John's incredible credible work and um, I just okay I have so many questions for you (laughs) first tell us um, what it was like growing up in that environment like do you recall at a certain age noticing this artwork around you and it being visually stimulating yeah I mean exactly like that's that's so much of what motivated the film is that back you know I would be a kid and I'd be looking at you know a you know an abstract painting with like these gray circles and like well what what is that and what does that mean and it was always what I remember was that we didn't talk about the work so much like we didn't look at it and discuss like this is what this means this or that started maybe when I got older, but I just remember just like all these works were like mysteries to me. Like, what did the artist mean? Why did they paint that? Why did my parents put it in this wall for us to keep, you know, going by? And, and it's just kind of like, you know, how family photos become very iconic to us. You know, they, they stamp these impressions in our mind about what our family was like. And that's what these pictures were like to me. Um, particularly the photorealists were, even though, you know, Photoreal, it's, you know, they're representing a picture, but they're adding something to it, like they're heightening it. And, you know, it's like these scenes from everyday life or city life. Um, um, and that just always, yeah, just kind of stayed with me. Well, I lived in New York City for the beginning part of my career. And actually, like, even though I, I consider myself a Baltimore artist, I had my first show ever in New York because I lived in New York, I couldn't afford to make art in New York, I moved home, got my life together, and then all my connections were in New York, so that was naturally where I went to have my first show, and I can and, you know, the element of pop art, and, you know, contemporary art, and New York City, like, for some reason, it just takes hold of you there. Yeah. So, there's a, a really amazing story behind this Brillo box. So explain to us why Brillo box three cents off is so important. So there were two types of Brillo boxes for those listening. There was the white and there was the yellow. Right. Lisa Ann grew up literally crawling on top of one of 17 Warhol original signed Brillo boxes. Only three ever signed ever. So explain to us the importance of the yellow box. Okay, so well, so it was interesting. So back um, initially when they first kind of came out, so first they were dismissed and everyone was like, what is Warhol doing? I mean, this is completely crazy. These are supermarket cartons. You know, how, how is this possibly art? Um, but as the traction kind of grew, like the white were considered more associated with Warhol. So if you went to a museum, you'd normally see the white. So I often thought of it like, well, we have this yellow Brillo box, but you never see those yellows in museums. So it was very, almost like a question, like, did Warhol even make these? And, 
you know, I mean, for me, the the first, like, because I was, of course, too young to remember crawling on the box, um, although it would be cool to remember that, but I always remember that photo. It was like there was me on, on this box, and it always just um, – was like this mystery of like how could we possibly have this warhole and there I am you know on it um and it was yeah just like a question as I started learning more about my parents art collecting the box became sort of the thing that almost symbolized that like discovering artists early having these emotional connections with this work but then also balancing it with the fact that they were buying and selling to keep buying more art and to also you know they were raising a family in New York which even then was expensive so yeah for you sure. know it's sort of like the blend I mean the Barilla box is a work of art it, it has I mean, as a work in itself, it's such a trickster throughout art history. Like, it keeps changing meaning. It's changed in value. People talk about it differently over the years. Um, there have been scandals, you know, around it. It's like this kind of artwork that keeps changing shape, much like the way we view Warhol so differently over, you know, over the years, too. So I felt like in terms of following a work from my parents' collection that it was a great one to follow because it had its own, it was, it had its own iconography, but it also was very personally iconic, you know, to me and my family, too. Okay, so your mom and dad, who shout out to them because they just seem like the cutest people ever. Like there's there's a portion in the film where they're discussing like how important the box was to them and what it meant to them. And mm-hmm. there's this really sweet, sweet, sweet part where your dad like has a moment of like realizing what he bought the box for mm-hmm. and then what it sold at Christie's for. So tell mm-hmm. us about that. <laughs> Right. Well, so so what was interesting was um, the idea of the film came about, and I, the first thing I did was I'm gonna, I said I, I have to interview my fam, like my parents, to see what they're like on camera because people can be really great off screen, but then you film them and they all the magic goes away, and so it really is like acting, you know, like performance. And so I interviewed them, and I had no idea how I was going to find the box. Um, and then my mom called me. And she was like, you know, I was looking at the ads, and it's auction season in New York, and they've got all this pop art at Christie's, and you should see if they have the box. And I was like, what a coincidence that would be. Like, I'm making this film, and then the box turns up, like, a month later. Like, that's insane. And so I ignored her. (laughs) It's totally kismet. It's crazy. I know, right? And then she calls again. She's like, you should check it out. And so I just get out my phone, and I just start scrolling through the lots. And then I see this yellow box, and then I read the description, and I see that Ivan Karp was in the provenance and then that it was signed by Red Crayon and like my heart sank and it sank, it, it, went, it went up and down at the same time. It went up because, yeah. oh my wow, here's the box. And then it went down because I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to go for a lot of money and it's going to be really like uncomfortable <laughs> like, you know, just to see that. And I remember just like having like knots in my stomach that night, but you know, like, oh, what's going to happen? Um, but you know, it's one, I mean, the film, it, it is about, it is looking at art and it's looking at Warhol as like emblematic of just how unpredictable life is. And you can only really just try to hold on to what you love because you just don't know, you know, what's coming around, you know, around the corner. So it was, um, it was a bittersweet little moment. And what I wanted to show in the film as well was like, it wasn't just, oh, what a bummer. We don't have this like multi-million dollar thing but just to really look at like what does art represent and how does it affect us and it is so much more beyond the monetary and it is it becomes part of your family you know your family history and your personal memory and you know and everyone has a different view of what an artwork means um so I wanted to celebrate my parents taste and like my parents being kind of like ahead of their time you know in, for um, sure you know, ahead of their time discovering that well because, like, I think boxes what's... were not popular then when they bought it they were re- and it was like that period where kind of towards the end of the 60s where the Warhol, like he had that 
big bursts, early 60s, the Maryland's and soup cans, and then, and then it kind of turned a little bit, you know, so. Well, yeah, Warhol went, so, okay, that's what I think is so sweet about, about the film, because the, your dad acquired the box for $1,000, I believe, and then it sold at Christie's for three. A little over three. 40, yeah. <laughs> a little, yeah, for 40 years later, of course, and it traveled right. all over the world, and it had been owned by famous collectors and right. part of collections that, I mean, unbelievably so. And um, the the thing that really, like, break, like to, you know, grasps at the, the heartstrings wasn't the money behind it. Right. Like, right. the the ex- the expression from your dad was like i can't believe i let that go i mean yeah it sold for a ton of money but like it really did have a connection with you guys and your family like it seems to really represent an era of all of your lives right exactly exactly yeah it's very much emblematic of just you know the young family and a, and a moment when art you know I mean, it was they were very adventurous to go out in the art world and do that. And all their friends thought they were totally weird. Their family, you know, like it's in the film where his dad was like, is there a picture there? Or maybe the picture's gone because I don't really see anything, you know? I mean, yeah. So many stories like that. And even like recently I was talking to a friend of my, when I was making the film, I talked to a friend, um, a close friend of my parents because they had some home movie footage of my parents. Um, we had so many photographs, but no motion picture, you know, like Super 8 or whatever. And he was like, you know, there was that one painting and he, and he described it perfectly. It was, um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the artist's name now. Um, oh my gosh, it'll come to me later. But he was kind of um, considered part of the movement. I think called bad painting, or it almost looked like finger paint. And I, <laughs> it's like I totally cannot, my style. <laughs> oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm like not remembering it right now because I'm kind of obsessed with him. <laughs> but the point he was like, and I remember this painting with this girl and this doll, and it was so ugly. He just was like saying how much he didn't understand it, and I thought that is fascinating that he re- he remembered it in such. Um, you know, he remembered it in such detail, like and, you know, and that says something detail, about yeah. art to get, you know, to get that upset about it, um, you know, like to get that upset about, you know, like work, you know, it's yeah. like kind of crazy. Uh, um, wait, I'm, I'm going to tell you the artist's name because it's driving me crazy. Um, Richard, I think it's Richard Jenny. Oh yeah, the, the was uh, that Neil, the, sorry, okay. Neil Jenny. Oh my God, Neil Jenny. Neil Jenny. So that was one of the first artists my parents collected, and first I had yeah, and, and it was very striking. Um, and we we use that picture girl and doll in the film because it's right when I'm talking about, it. and then they sold the Brillo box, and so you see this girl crying over her doll, and we were like, um, but yeah, I mean works that were just you know people people went to the mat you know and saw, but didn't necessarily understand contemporary art and all the different directions that was going on so. I definitely relate to that as far as, you know, Warhol for me is like the epitome of art. I really relate to his work in so many ways. I've done film work. I've done installation mm-hmm. work. I love to like always be changing, always trying new things. And right. especially like the idea of, you know, maybe something being unfinished, but it's finished or being lowbrow to be highbrow, you know, is, you know, so important to me to like kind of try that angle of, because I think, you know, 
especially I'm self-taught as an artist. So, I mean, for me to ever like turn out to be like some sort of like Renaissance painter where like my faces are perfect and stuff, I don't ever see that, see that day coming, but to know that there's a space in art for me to like create and explore is so comforting. And I really, really found that within Warhol's work that I could like switch it up and be like weird and adventurous. And, you know, so you know, the Brillo box for me really represents that. And that represents a time in Warhol's career where he was taking a step back from like popularized idea and really trying to educate the public on where art starts and stops, Mm -hmm. which is that it's infinite. That it is infinite, yeah. And that it's also not necessarily about like what you – it can be about what you see, but it can also be about what you feel and think, you know, um, because people consider like the Brillo box about when, as that moment of when art, the, the recognition that art could be a conceptual thing, you know, that it's not just like what it looks like, but what the act of appropriating something or. Yeah, like, why am that, I, you know, why am I doing this? Why is this right. here? And, and I think one thing that Warhol, that people don't give Warhol the credit to or credit for is when he was doing the work like we're so familiar with, like Brillo Box and mm-hmm. Campbell's and Coca-Cola and all that good stuff. You know, he was really trying to inform us and educate us. And it's something I'm very vocal about that art is everywhere. And my mm-hmm. whole thing is, you know, some back at, you know, and I've done all the Wikipedia and like, you know, background on this, but I don't remember who the artist is, but there was a graphic designer back in the day that designed that stop sign for us. And we use oh, that. Right, right. Absolutely. You know, we use things like stop signs and, you know, your regular, your crosswalks, any sort of like these, you know, identifiers mm-hmm. that we use to operate our life was the for you to understand and grasp and use quickly and it's perfect right right? and so when you know I was really going through like all my weirdo Warhol phase which I really hasn't stopped (laughs) Um, I don't think I don't see it stopping ever either but like that was really the takeaway that I got from that and I was living in New York at the time and he really really I was working in music and it was the type of thing where I was walking around and I was realizing that even like the ticking of you know when the lights are changing on the crosswalk that's a beat Mm -hmm. you know that's a melody and you know traffic is a melody so really like our life in general is art. And I think really that was what Warhol was trying to convey with the obviousness and like the, the level of like substance in this project. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like kind of looking and looking at the fact that, you know, someone created the design of the Brillo box, the artist James Harvey. And in some ways, like people tried to create like at the time, this little like controversy about it, but you could argue that he was also like, paying respect to that it's like look an artist you know created this and we use this to sell products but there was thought and care there was a choice of fonts there was a choice of this graphic you know 100 percent. you know takes time and um and just insight about how we respond to visual you know um you know input 
Yeah, and I mean, I think that was like one of the things with Warhol that people were like, yo, he's ripping this artist off and he's appropriating this work. And I, for me, and, you know, one of the takeaways that I take from your film, and I feel like this was definitely touched on and discussed, was that it's more of an allegiance. We buy products every day. We go to the store. And I mean, I'm, we were talking about this earlier before the show. I'm currently doing a lot of product design at the moment. And I really, you know, try to cross over what I understand about like everyday human life and Mm -hmm. also what I know about art and like with Warhol doing this, in the eyes to a to you know a culture that was like yo you're using stuff every day that includes art and you walk right by it you don't even notice right and that's really or it's what subconscious like I think you notice it subconsciously true true I, you true, know true. like yeah like it's like a regularity you know like mm-hmm. and it's not something to be taken for granted you know like and and so for you know like the argument that you know Warhol rips off other people's ideas i think if anything he was you know pretty much you know kind of poking the bear and saying like hey consider this acknowledge it yeah and and that's that's an artistic choice it's like you know i want to show you this and have you think about it? I mean, I think the brilliance of showing the Brillo boxes like in that gallery is like, you don't know, is he making fun of our, you know, is he raising consumerism to a level of art or is he, or is he denigrating art to the level of consumerism? You know, I mean, it, there's like, it's a, such a two way dialogue or, or just the simple fact that, I mean, his all, everything about his outward persona, um, because he was so good at like, that was part of his art too, is like his whole persona and how he conducted himself, how he did interviews. But I mean, he always just seemed to really evoke a kind of like just pure love of, of celebrity, a love of what things looked like um, and a, a genuine appreciation for things almost at, at, at their surface value, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of great because that is the first way we respond to it. It's kind of like what's that first initial impulse towards something. Well, I mean, look um, at where we've come. Like, people don't even, re- like, acknowledge Warhol for all the great things he did. He is literally the inventor of reality television. Definitely. Uh, 100%. That's not, that's not, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I mean, you can just imagine him in social media right now. I mean, it's like he predicted all of this. All of Tinder. Everyone will be famous for 1.5 one, <laughs> 1. seconds. <laughs> 100%. So, oh, like, crazy. you know. For all the people that say like, oh, you know, Warhol sucks, right? Like I live in I live in this art loft, and the other day I have some neighbors that like to you know paint down the elevator and you know tag it and do fun stuff in it. And like the other day they tried to really um, you know grind my gears. I Warhol sucks in the elevator, and I was like, yo, you are tagging this elevator because of Warhol. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, like, it was just yeah. such a 360 moment for me that I was like, you don't even realize to the degree of the impact that this one singular person had on what we consider everyday life. Exactly. Now. Yeah, I know. It's so, it's just so everywhere. It's a completely Warholian, like post-Warholian. It's unbelievable. Know, world we live in. I mean. Well, and I think a lot of that came from, like, his longevity came from the honesty that was initially very off-putting. Like, people mm-hmm. thought that Warhol was rude and crass and lowbrow and disgusting and the lifestyle wasn't for everybody and what are you doing? And especially in the times of, like, the 60s, 70s, you know, like, I mean, there were, you know, he was definitely setting the pace. And, you know, you can look up any number of 
Warhol quotes, but he was quoted saying that he was a deeply superficial person. And but I think that was all part of his, like, you know, persona. Like, I don't think he was at all. <laughs> you don't. Okay, so I wanted to ask you what your opinion of Warhol, like, knowing the times. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't even, I know that you guys, your dad acquired and your mom acquired the box, and it wasn't signed, and he went back to the gallery, and he asked for Warhol to sign it. So, so, wait, so sorry, the, so what, then, or? So what was kind of like the M.O. of Warhol as far as you remember it? You know, like, if, was that ever like a topic of conversation amongst your parents, like, growing up? Was that ever a conversation that, like, did your parents ever meet Andy? Like, oh, I need yeah. to know this background. <laughs> I feel like, I, have, like, that point, I feel like, like so, one degree of like, separation. I know, right. So my yeah, I think they did meet him maybe like at Studio 54 or something. But my mom, we didn't put this in my mom. My mom was like, I wasn't going to go up to him and be like, we sold your Brillo box, you know. <laughs> but I mean, at that point, I mean, it was really interesting because in that sort of 70s into the 80s, he was so much more associated my memories of him were definitely about, like I said in the film, like handing out the interview magazines. And, like, I associated with the interview and with, like, music and cool bands and, like, Duran Duran. <laughs> like, you know, and there was a little bit of, like, the lore of the factory, which we didn't really understand then. You know, I mean, we, as kids, like, we like didn't really understand it. But um, so he was much more like a figure, like a, a New York celebrity figure. And I think because of that, it clouded the brilliance of his art where like gradually it became like people were able to start separating that. And then of course realized that his, you know, participation in that culture was kind of part of his work, you know? And totally. um, So I think that was my, but my mom and dad had different feelings with the Brillo box, which is why my dad, I think chose to part with it. Um, My mom, I think what loved pop art more, like I think she really got the sensibility of it. She, she loves to look at all things and be like, wow, that's a great poster or that's a great product. She was the one I remember her telling me this, when I was a kid and I wanted to buy like, you know, a more expensive, you know, makeup brand or something. And she was like, that's just packaging. You're just drawn to that. And like that really, that was where I got that awareness of, of you know, totally art my mom was part the same of way. selling yeah. always, always, it's always part of, you know, part of that. And I think my dad really, they collected a lot of photorealists, which I view as in kind of a sort of an offshoot of pop art in a sense, but, um, and they really agreed about the photorealists. Um, but I think my dad also really liked abstract expressionism and stuff that was a little less, um, I don't know, maybe more mysterious almost, although I think that they, all these works have mysteries, like I was saying before. So he traded it, you know, for a work by Peter Young, who was also a rising artist at the time, who was a rising artist at the time and was very celebrated and who was in more of the lyrical and abstract, you know, world. So, so my conversations with them about Warhol were more like, he was more like, oh, he's this cool figure, like the celebrity person. Oh, they saw him at studio, or oh, we would we, we would see him giving out the magazines and be like, oh my god, like like Warhol gave us an interview, you know, like I would thing. and die. I would just later, like, you know? <laughs> can't even imagine like getting like an interview magazine from Andy. <laughs> like, I would what freak was so out cool about him was that he really was out. There. Like he would talk to you know, it wasn't just about celebrity. He was really so genuinely interested in all types of people if you look at the work it's not you know even though it's so known for the celebrities but there's so much attention to things that are even just mundane or or like the ironies of things that are so mundane or or things that are darker like the um i mean like the electric chair series just just amazing um 
so well, yeah, you know, so that's why really I don't think he's ever superficial. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I think it explores the psyche of uh, he's the ultimate people watcher. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, you know, he really gets into if you look at Warhol's work and the thing like, you know, like the, the dollar signs, the guns, like like you were saying, the electric mm-hmm. chair, that's all like really um, exploring in depth what makes people tick. People are regularly thinking about 24 seven money, death, mm-hmm. you know, um, things, you know, like it's interesting to see his firearm series go off and the revolver and to see how that's so relative to today and what we're dealing yeah. with. Oh and so predictory of like, or predictive of what we are kind of the life we're living in now. He saw it coming. And I think it comes mm-hmm. from, you know, the human psyche. He was really like dissecting that in art. Yes. And he did see it coming like so far ahead yeah, of all of us. Totally genius. Okay. Yeah. So enough gushing on Andy because this conversation could go on four hours. I have no end in sight with <laughs> yeah. talking about no, him. It's true. It's true. It's true. The topic of Warhol, it is an, it is an endless topic because it's like someone, um, um, Daniel Wolf, when he interviewed, what he said was, um, you know, the world, you know, in the, he says like the world is more Warholian than even that, like, you know, when he was making the work, like it's more Warholian today than it was then, but it's like we just it going further into it. Like, further and further into what he predicted, like, you know, consumerism and celebrity culture and, you know, all all these things that he was holding up for us, like, 40 years earlier. Yeah, I mean, it's really the the ultimate legacy. And, I mean, I think that's why I, like, so, like, identify with him and kind of idolize him. I mean, there's plenty of things about Andy that we'll leave alone that people don't think were positive. But I think it was all very much just, you know, denigrated to like really what society, the truth of society and um, to like have that be left behind. It's like really the ultimate legacy. And like, I know speaking for myself and many of my, you know, artist friends, whether you live or die by Andy Warhol, you respect Andy Warhol. If you don't, something's wrong with you, you know, like (laughs) something's wrong with you. I mean, the influence is just so everywhere and and yeah. it's like, it, and it's and it's constantly a dialogue between pop culture and consumerism and Warhol. Like it's just that conversation continues. Yeah, I, I so it's, there's no way. Up. I don't think there's any way to separate American culture from Warhol. I really don't. You know. I know, mm-hmm. and you know, I just and I love like you know, artists that have like you know picked up on something like the fact that this was something from your childhood, and you carried this through to adulthood to even like pay tribute just means so much. And I think it's like really, um, you know, reflective of how important his his timestamp is on what you know just life is as we know it. And I appreciate you for doing that because it's important. Yeah, well, so thank you. I mean, our tell us about like... what you have coming up here. You um, have so, this new film. Oh, yes. Yeah. So earlier this year, I did, a, I did a short film for Los Angeles County Museum of Art on the artist Robert Irwin, who is a light and space artist. And so that streams now on LACMA.org or on La, the LACMA Vimeo channel. And that was a seven-minute piece about, like, a, uh, Robert is, is not, I, think, I think he turned 89 this year. So it really was his life in seven minutes, you know, his life, his artwork. And it was really interesting because his work is, of course, totally di- – it's installations, and he did the Getty, and he's all about perception and creating creating spaces where, you know, the the, odd, the art, the uh, viewer can kind of experience it and determine what they want to see. And 
experience, but um, the one theme that really connected his story with um, making Brillo Box and what I think what Andy Warhol's career tra- trajectory to me represents is that, you know, artists have to struggle with like what it means to buy, to buy and sell. And, and Robert Irwin was an artist who wasn't making things to sell. He was making experiences, you mm-hmm. know, for people and people go in and out of favor and artists struggle to kind of find what, you know, um, they have to navigate that. Um, and Peter, Peter Young as well on the film, like he, you know, he was an artist who didn't want to keep repeating himself. So he's like, I can't stay in New York. If I keep staying in New York, I'll keep making my dot paintings that are so, popular and he didn't want to like be chained to that or be confined to the what those sort of market you know expectations totally you know expectations are and so I mean I think like with Warhol especially like it just really reflects how things come and go in fashion and an artist artists are very much impacted the culture is impacted by that like we're all um careers and are all shaped by like cultural and economic trends that I was just going to use the word trend. Trend, yes. Yeah, when I was a kid, okay, so when I was a kid and I went to an all, I'm a Catholic school girl, girl school survivor, and and, um, I went to school with like, you know, basically 40 other girls in my class, and one of the upperclassmen, my nickname was Trendy. And they were like, trendy, That's trendy. So and they would tease. I, I, I loved it. I was like, I am trendy. I'm on point with all this trend right now. Like, I get it. And it's interesting to now be a painter and to be like following trends. And I'm so still engrossed in that. And it's very easy for, you know, an artist to hit on something. And for me in the past two years, that was my watercolor collection and, you know, hit on that and then just ride that wave till you die. I'm like way too energetic for that. I get bored very easily. Right. So, you know, yeah. So that's why like I commercialize that. I popularize that because I was like, okay, here's the thing that is going to span you know, a lot of people can appreciate this. They can, they can understand it. And one of the things that, you know, Warhol taught me and my mom taught me, and it's funny because I feel like your parents and my mom would like be like total, like great dinner, dinner guests together. <laughs> yeah. Cause like Probably. the conversations you had with your mom are like verbatim what I had with my mom. Um, but like, it's been very interesting for me to see how somebody, you know, sees artwork on a coaster for the first time and that exact painting could be hanging on a wall and they recognize that art first because it's on this product. Okay. And then they can look over and they can see like the painting and they're like, wow, that's a beautiful painting. But you saw it first on like the beer label or right. the Campbell's soup label or the Brillo box. Right. And it's someone just made that, you know, Right. It's the relative. It's just the way people see art and stuff. And I think that's like the comeback to what Andy was really trying to emphasize with this project. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So have you ever talked with your parents at length or I mean, um, did they ever think that they by buying this art and just having it in the home that it was going to really become really an outlet for you later in life. Have you talked to them how that like has really stayed with you and what an impact that's had on you? Yeah. I mean, I think the film in a way was um, an expression of that, uh, like an expression of just how much that they influenced me and the choices 
that they made, which were, of course, very concentrated in art and art collecting, but also going to museums and going to the galleries and going to see art films. Like, my mom took me to my first um, art film when I was in high school, which was Diva. <laughs> like, and she was like, I think you'll really like this film. And she took me, and, like, all of a sudden, film and what film could be is an art form. And, you know, theater, music, we were so – we were really um, – we're very privileged to live in New York at a time where I think culture was like affordable. <laughs> like definitely, you know, yeah. you go to things and my parents just immersed us in all of that. And I think I always say like, how could I not have gone into a creative field growing up with all these influences? Although my, my brother, my sister is a writer and my brother um, is a very like creatively appreciating, you know, person, but, um, and, but didn't go into like the arts per se. Um, and so, but I think that the influence, I was the oldest and I think I was, I was there for those early years with, with the art and it just kind of really stayed with me. And I, you know, I would go later, you know, go to museums and say, wow, those, those works were in our home once. And that's really, you know, amazing. So, so yeah, yeah. I think the film was a tribute, you know, I wanted it's to tell a, a great story about like art yeah. and value and, and how it works. Like how does, how things change, how unpredictable it is, how the, the monetary, and the um, aesthetic and emotional like um, impulses can get, complicate each other and drive each you know have that, that dialogue between those things, um, but you know but ultimately uphold like you know those those emotional connections we have, as well as you know tribute tribute them and acknowledge not not them for what they lost but what they gave us you know. So. Well, and here's what's wild about that. Your parents' art collection not only influenced you, it influenced me. And, I mean, it makes me, like, emotional to even, like, think about that. But, like, the art that your parents were buying and selling, you know, has really had an influence on people. Yeah. It's definitely influenced me. And, like, you know, you don't even realize you're doing that in in the time and shape so i mean if you're listening thank you for buying all those yeah. paintings <laughs> i'm like so grateful okay so this has been such a true pleasure i don't want to keep you i know you're super busy and i just want to also just take a moment so i straight up stalked lisan on the internet and i do this all the time <laughs> with artists that I'm like, I just like message people and I'm like, I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. And we just happen to really, you know, connect and we, we exchanged some um, messages back and forth. And then you sent me my own lovely little mini Brillo box. It's sitting right here next to my TV. <laughs> I love him. And, um, you know, so I just, it's such a testament to like how powerful and positive the internet can be because, you know, we really, would have never connected or met. And now you're part of this project that I'm doing with my radio show. And I'm just so grateful because this film, I watched it again this morning and I had the same exact feelings and, you know, most, mostly happy, a little sad when the box left, but then it like the fact that it's even still in life and circulating and it's happening is just so cool. And the fact that you captured that, I'm so grateful. So thank you for taking that oh, time. Thank you. Well, it's, um, the other part of the film was tributing the artist, so that means a lot coming from you. So thank you for having me. This has been fun. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, my God. My... Um, you know, you can, you can see it on um, HBO Go or any of the, the streaming platforms of HBO. I think it's, it's, it actually has some um, air dates that it's still running. So if you go to the HBO website, it'll say where the air dates are. So if anyone tuning in okay, wants cool. to check it out. <laughs> yeah, and I'll share a direct link to, like, what where it is on HBO and stuff so you guys can find it. And 
Um, I just, you know, thank you again for taking the time out to do this. And so talking with you. (laughs) Thanks. Okay. So from all of us here at Lions Radio Network and Jess Mess and Broadcast, we really want to thank Lisa Ann Schuyler. You can find her at LisaAnnSchuyler.com, at LisaAnnSchuyler on the social media platforms. I will post a link to um, some cool work that she has done. So, because now that I've gushed so much about it, you have to watch. And um, well, I guess I'll just see you on the internet and maybe in person someday. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks so much. Great talking thank with you. Thank you. Oh right, my God. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, Lisa. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, from all of us here at Just Mess and Broadcast, that's it for us today. We will be back next Thursday at noon. And I just want to really thank Lisa for taking that time. That was just super duper cool. And please see her film on HBO, Brillo Box, Three Cents Off. It's just really, it's, It's just like the sweetest documentary ever. Um, Okay, and that does it for us here. So thank you all for tuning in all over the world, and we will be back next week. Bye. Here today, gone today. The pace of change can be confusing. Then again, it can be inspiring. Every year, Harvard Business School Executive Education helps executives like you build the self-confidence and decision-making skills it takes to thrive on change. Fight change with change. Go. Start by going to hbs.me go. That's hbs.me go. Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be five-hour energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com.